Welcome to the CIO Evolution. In this podcast, we'll explore the Chief Information Officer's role in executing a new ongoing leadership imperative, digital transformation that promotes agility and resilience. How do CIOs upgrade legacy networks? What are the financial challenges CIOs face? And what are the security measures that are required in the new work-from-anywhere mobile and cloud-based world? Hello, everybody. This is Christopher Jablonski, Director of CXO Revolutionaries, for another edition of the CIO Evolution. Today, we're recording from the Beekman, where we just held the CXO Summit Live event. And with me, I have Dan Shelton, Vice President of Transformation Strategy and a field CTO. And he is here to talk about what he learned and share some best practices. Uh, Before I jump in, I would like to share that Dan is an IT executive and transformation change agent with over two decades of experience in managing large multifaceted global IT organizations, most recently Kelly Services before joining Zscaler. There he was a senior director for global networks and telecom and he was an early adopter of the direct-to-internet branch architecture and used several cloud-based infrastructure and security services to lead a multi-phased digital transformation program. Thanks, Chris, and and thank you for having me. And uh, I got to tell you, the um, kind of the the networking with the the different customers at the CXO Summit was fantastic because it really hit home on a lot of the topics that I lived through firsthand in terms of kind of moving more and more of that network traffic at locations to internet-based transport, moving applications into cloud-based infrastructure, moving more of your critical business systems to SaaS solutions, and more importantly, driving what became known as a zero trust program within the, the, the business to really lock down access into where those critical business systems lives that, that we did keep internally. So it was uh, it was a theme that you know we were we had the opportunity to talk with like ten different customers in the breakout sessions that we had today, um, and all of the, the the points that they made you know all in different points of their journey, but they all had very common stories of what they were struggling with, what they were trying to focus on, and more importantly, what they learned from the sessions today. And would you say that the issues, opportunities, they all persist similarly from the days when you face these challenges? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so I've been at Zscaler for a little bit over five years now. And, you know, prior to joining, when I was on the customer side, I, I, I really was passionate about the problems that we solved in where Zscaler was part of the vendor ecosystem. And I've thought for sure, you know, I'd take this advisory role at Zscaler and two or three years later, everybody would have fixed these problems. But regardless of industry vertical, the problems still exist and the challenges still exist and they're trying to solve for the same things. Even pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, it's the same story. It's really that, that move of, you know, users being everywhere, business systems residing in multiple places, not just the data centers, and more and more of a push from their businesses to have visibility into where your data is going and what your people are doing with it. Right. And to achieve that, the idea of micro-segmentation came up, uh, and now we're facing a new kind of app to user-to-app segmentation. Can you talk about that? You know, you got to focus on the risk and the risk of hey i have a a database server talking to a middleware server in a data center and having a policy that says this middleware server can only talk to the database server 
you get some benefit and some value from that. But the real value is actually when you take the approach of what a lot of customers talked about today is decoupling network access from your data center from application access, meaning don't give your users full open access to your data center when they don't need it, right? You, you, that, that was a, a piece. And, and so then it's not a micro segmentation play. It's more of you focus on which applications are the front doors of those applications that certain groups of users can get to. And from there, you make the rest of your data center invisible. Right? You don't allow full open access from all the locations that you had um, have on your network to be able to deliver that. I mean, that was something when I was on the customer side, we had 900 locations. And when we were trying to pitch this kind of narrative around why we would be executing or kind of implementing a zero trust network architecture, the business had a lot of questions. And really it was around, hey, I built a giant flat network with 900 locations that all had full open access to everything in the data center. That's a big risk profile. Think about the blast radius of if something happens at any one of your locations, now they have access to everything in the data center. So today the approach with all of the customers that we were talking to was really not about segmentation within the data center, but more about segmenting your data center from the rest of your network. Right, and this in turn reduces, like you said, not only the blast radius but the attack surface overall. Yeah, it's the, it's that, that it reduces that attack surface. And an analogy that we used to use um, within the, the business when I was on the customer side was that you know, are anywhere in the world people were only one second away from the crown jewels that lived in these data center networks, and the business really never understood why we were trying to segment users or separate users or decouple access for users into the, the full data center network until we started making comments like that because then they understand oh yeah these users in different countries that we operate in are really one second away from all of the data that if this is exfiltrated the fines alone would sink the company so so you got to think about it like this like segmentation rules on a network when it's all based on ip addresses and ports they're hard right and so you, you like when you think about how to make that happen the first thing you have to start thinking about context of it's user in application right you want to have policies that are based on business context of this group of users can talk to these different groups of applications and then everything else you want to do something around like we used to call it cloudify the data center when i say cloudify i mean like treat i use the analogy of microsoft 365 if you're a user that you're trying to get to Exchange or OneDrive or SharePoint, you know you don't get full access to the entire Microsoft network to get those services. An entitled user with the right licensing gets the front end of that application, and everything that happens in the background is a complete mystery to the end user in that device because it, they do not need that access, right? So that's the approach that you have to, to take. And so how you have to sell that is what does that segmentation mean to your business, right? If you think about it, like, when, when we were going through this approach of trying to do that segmentation of user to applications, whether it's in the data center or in an Azure tenant, we had to tell the business why we were doing it. And of course, we started using words like zero trust because it was a buzzword. That was something that some of the advisory firms started talking about you know, five, six, seven years ago. But when we started talking to the business, they started asking us, well, what, like, how are you going to market this, right? It's about marketing. It's about the messaging to the business. And what does this mean to us? Because when we started using the term zero trust, the business looks at us and said, 
you make us do the end user awareness training. You put us through these phishing exercises and quite frankly, punish us if you get caught in one. And now you want to tell us that you don't trust us. And so for us, it became more about, you know, creating a narrative of what we were trying to do that the business would understand. And the business that I came from, they called their data centers the core. The business systems were the core of the, the processes and the operations. And so we wanted to, to really frame that as like we were spending all of our resources focusing on the core of our data center network as opposed to, to securing 900 locations. And then as the core expanded, meaning more and more of our business systems are SaaS or our data is living in things like 365 and Salesforce, we wanted to have visibility, control, and an understanding of who is doing what in accessing in and out of that core. So we started framing it as protect the core. And then all of a sudden the business starts listening and they understand and they're like, hey, this, these projects make sense. Framing it to the board of directors, framing it you know, from the CISO who is my peer, framing it to the internal audit committee, framing it to these different stakeholders that quite frankly, again, like when we started calling it zero trust, they were like, you know, are you telling me that you don't trust me? And it became really just more of a marketing problem. And I see that with so many different organizations because people today use zero trust and it's a buzzword and every organization and vendor has a different definition of what it actually means and so you really got to focus on what does it mean to the business absolutely sounds like protect the core holds a very important lesson in change management and positioning in a way that the the empathy is there you understand the challenges of the business and you're not using your own industry jargon but you're using the language that makes sense to those who are affected. Yeah. A, a common theme that I heard today was um, also, folk, you know, don't just focus on the security benefits of an architecture that's anchored like that, but really focus on what is the benefit for the end user? What is the benefit for the experience? What is the benefit of somebody that can open up their laptop and just go to the resources that they need to go to without having to make decisions on the most optimal path to their resources? When I say decisions, I'm talking about like, do I turn on VPN? Do I not? Does this app live in an Azure tenant? Does it live in an Equinix Colo that I have? Do I have to select a Frankfurt, Germany VPN or a London or a Detroit? Or I mean, like those types of decisions in the past, end users have had to do that and they're just used to it and they kind of stop complaining because it all becomes noise. And now you're able to kind of leverage tech to be able to deliver that better experience. And that's another benefit that you can also push when you're trying to pitch these types of conversations or these types of programs to business leaders. So if I'm hearing you correctly, an on-ramp to zero trust and the extended benefits that it holds for, say, cybersecurity can actually start with end-user experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you think about this, like it, it's just as much of a benefit for the users as it is for IT. And, and if you think about like there was a topic today that somebody, uh, one of the customers brought up about change fatigue and how much change are you putting your end users through when you switch collaboration tools, when you switch business systems, when you do all these different things. And, and from an IT perspective, like you gotta be aware of that and empathize with it, but you also can use kind of these types of programs that are going to deliver, to deliver an optimized end user experience as a reason to remove some of that friction that the users experience. Right, so I, I hear CIOs often talk about the frictionless experience. Yes, they want security in place, but they don't want their users to know that it exists unless they're doing something that they shouldn't. And then be gently reminded that, 
hey, you're breaching a policy or you're, you're doing something that might be putting our business at risk. But that is something where I think for, for us, you know, when you think about how to address this with the business, again, like you, you, it's a benefit for the users as well as a benefit for IT. Because from a simplicity perspective, when you take away all of the complex network and the peering and cloud, like private network peering in between cloud uh, exchanges and private networks within customer locations, you know, you're able to manage access to those applications in a easier way. And it's there's less administrative duties on your team. It's less complex, but the experience will be better for the users. And so I think a lot of organizations kind of leave that out. And then today, you know, firsthand, that was something that a lot of people referenced as learning. That that was kind of an insight that they took away from the the CXO summit of you know how to pitch this to the business is make it about the user experience. Excellent, and that in turn leads to productivity gains, yep. adoption of not just any individual new application that you're bringing on, but all of them because everything just got easier. Yep. I mean, there, there was a customer that talked about today. Their strategy is to push as much of the traffic that they have at all their locations to their guest network. Why not make it? We're just completely independent of the location. You are connected to a network, whether it's a private network, whether it's the internet. It shouldn't matter, right? Where where those policies live and the enforcement of that. That's you know when you take that and abstract the network layer from it and say, look, it doesn't matter, right? right. That that's something, and that was a goal, right? I mean, the customer got up on stage and talked about we're trying to push as much of our traffic from our locations to our guest network. I had the same goal. We we I mean, you hear a lot of cus- customers reference it as the Starbucks model. But, you know, we had a barista package, right? Hey, here's an SD-WAN device. Here's a LAN switch. Here's a wireless access point that's cloud. Uh, it's, it's got a cloud controller. So it doesn't need to talk to anything internal to deliver this. And then here's your internet access. And, of course, you have it. And now you have access to whatever applications you need as well as the internet. And you don't have to send all that traffic back through data centers for security treatment. And that is true simplification. Any final words for CTOs in your shoes? Yeah, absolutely. So one other, um, one other topic that I heard today that, that really includes the planning of all these things is make sure you include all disciplines of IT. So it was a very security-focused crowd today. There were a couple people that were focused on infrastructure and networks, but the moral of the story really needs to be you got to have end-user uh people with those responsibilities included in the conversation. You have to have network, you have to have security, you have to have enterprise architecture, cloud architecture, data center, application people, because at the end of the day, you're really gonna redraw the lines on who manages what if you truly go through the process of changing your architecture for the better. And it really is a matter, I mean, I had to live through this firsthand. You have to be able to redraw the lines on the map per se of who's going to manage what and how you're going to deliver these capabilities to the business. So just something to think about. Don't try to just do it with the network team or just the security team. Get all those stakeholders involved because at the end, they all will have a, uh, a say in how this is delivered. It's the cloud COE, if I'm not mistaken. Unless yep. It doesn't have to be cloud. cloud. Yep. It's just some center yep. of exactly. Excellence. You need ambassadors from every touch point that this project would touch, right? Yep. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for the CIO Evolution. You're a guest for the first episode, so you were long overdue to come back, but we're very happy that you're able to. All right. Thank you, Chris. Look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to the CIO Evolution. 
check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find more episodes along with other podcasts on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of the recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.